0: God, we thank you for that reminder today that there's nothing that can stand against us with you on our side. Some of us need to hear that today. When, when, when man runs out of options, miracles happen. And I thank you, God, this planet, this world, this country, this city is running out of options. And so God, it's causing us to look to you. And when we turn our eyes upon you, nothing can stand against us, Lord God. I'm so thankful for that reminder today, God. I pray that every person from the home fellowship groups, to summit, God, to New Jersey, and those that are present right here, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? I thank you, Lord God, that you don't have to be in this building to be touched by God today. You could be sitting in a living room. You could be sitting on a campus. You could be sitting somewhere across the nation and across the world. And God, I thank you that your presence is there and it's real and it's touching people's lives. So God, today, would you begin to minister to everybody here? Let everybody know in this place, everybody know that how great the music is that when everything's said and done, we're not going to say what great music, what great people, what a great church, what great preaching. We're going to say what a great God we serve in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Greg. What a great, great moment for us to be together. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be healthy. Um, Pastor Carter, Pastor Teresa, Pastor David are all sick today. And so we're praying for them. God heal them. And I'm so grateful I'm not one of them. So here we go. Let's get ready. I want you to get ready for the Holy Spirit to come and do something. So let's date ourselves today. Let's date ourselves. How many remember having a TV set the size of this pulpit? Anybody remember having those TV sets? Okay, let's let's continue it on. Okay, how many remember when you turned it on, it was a white dot that used to open up and then into the picture? And we used to call that, let's warm up the TV set. Okay, how many remember those? How many remember we had tubes in the back? Remember those? Okay, let's get even crazier. How many were sophisticated and had a thing called rabbit ears on top of the TV set? And then if you were really sophisticated, you put aluminum foil on top of, the, on top of those, ra- how many did that? And the crazy people would go on top of the house and turned the antenna in the direction to see it was going. My favorite part we used to do in our house is someone always lost the channel knob and we used to put a pair of pliers on the channel and turn it, and it was always. And then if you you were really, if you could spare it, you put a pair of vice grips and you clipped it on there and you just turned it every single. Boy, have TV sets changed, haven't they? Man, it's the size of a picture. It's they call them, flat screen. It's high def. It's, it's literally what they call them, 4K high def, where well, you could see everything. You could see every bead of sweat. You could see every wrinkle in the skin. Everything, everything becomes high def. You can see everything up close. And that's what I want you to think about today, because I want to talk to you about living high def. I want to talk to you about living 4K. I want to talk to you about living an honest life. I don't really want to talk to you about that because it's so easy to get lost in a place like this. And we forget that there's six other days of the week that we've got to really live through and be honest with our lives. And it's not easy, but listen to me close. It's not an easy life, but it's the best way to live with everything out in the open and not pretending, not trying to be something, but literally living a high def life where everything is seen that, you know, who I am, that, you know, where, where we are and where we're going. Let me just say this: secrets don't work with God. They really don't. Because in the Bible, the Bible lets us know that secrets eventually do come out. And in fact, it goes to a rooftop. And it says, you have a shot to either have God expose it or us confess it. And living a high-def 4K life really means that, God, I want to just be honest. And here's what I began to realize, because this is so important for every one of us. Do you know a revival in the book of Acts started because people went high-def? They really showed what they were. They really told people, this is what's going on in my life. It's It's in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19. It's in the city of Ephesus. And I've been reading this and even preaching on this with Gary Wilkerson and around the world. And then I just saw this one spot. I'm going... Man, it it opens up people's lives. Listen to these words from Acts chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. Many of those who believed now came and look at this word openly confessed what they had done. High death. Then verse 19, look what it did. A number of those who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together, burned them publicly. And in this way, the word of the Lord began to spread and grew in power. That the honesty of the Christians, the honesty of the newly saved, began to challenge those even in the occult that they began to see, wait a second, this is real. People have real issues, real problems, and yet they can still trust God with their life. You don't have to be perfect sitting in this place. You just have to have the life that trusts God with all your problems and with everything that you are. See, the transparency and confession of those new believers in the book of Acts chapter 19 literally started a revolution, started a revival. Because I just have to tell you, I'm too exo- it's exhausting pretending to be something that you're not. It's exhausting. Listen, it takes too much work to pretend to be holy. Too much work. It takes a lot of work just to, just to be yourself. And I don't have that kind of energy to be impressive anymore. I just want to be what God wants me to be. I just want to live a life that's open and honest. I just, and this is, this is where God is beginning to bring me and challenge me with. Do you know what confession is? It's a vulnerability, it's a transparency. It's what makes you like everybody else. It tells everyone in this church and on every campus and every home group, it tells everybody, I'm on the team, I'm a fellow struggler just like you. It's what makes you real. And if this doesn't resonate with you, then you forgot what the church really is. Look at me for a second. The church is not a museum and it's not a hall of fame. The church is a hospital with a bunch of sick people that are getting well. That's what the church is. And if you look up here, the choir and everyone, and if we portray to you that we're hall of famers or we're, or we're hall, uh, that we're in a museum, we've missed what the church is. And so we create a culture sometimes that people have to come in and pretend to be something in, in, in our presence that we, that we can't live up to. And that's where I'm just going, God, I, I just want to go high def. I just want to live the way you told me to live. One of my Mentors and friends is a pastor that just retired from England and told me this. He said, Tim, he said, and it was these words that resonated with me. He said this. He goes, sometimes when I, or he said many times when I'm getting ready to preach on the holiest things, the most horrible things come to my mind. Think about that for a second. When I'm getting ready to preach on the holiest things, the most horrible things come to my mind, man, that, that said something to me. And, and all of a sudden, it allowed me to go 4K. It allowed me to become, in fact, let me just be for a moment here vulnerable with you and just tell you what goes on and a, and a fight that I'm constantly in because those words are so true. I, I have a moment in every service in Louisiana. We have four services on Sunday. I've got to preach every single one of them. And then I lead our growth track that we do. And so five times every Sunday and every single time before I go up, while you were singing the words on the screen with Greg, I do this every single service. There's four passages of scripture that I have to quote over and over again. Every time I'm sitting in a seat, let me me tell you what I, I, I go through this every single time. Why? Because the most horrible thoughts can come while you're going to preach on the holiest things. Pastor Tim, are you going to say it? This is 4K. This is high def. This is the church. So listen to me close. Every single time, I'll just tell you what they are. I don't, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm just. This is. This is. This is it. This is what I do. Every single time I step up here. Every time I step up, I, I literally that just come to mind. Colossians three 2, Set your affection, Set your mind on things above, not on things below. Philippians four eight. Whatever's true. Whatever's holy. Whatever's just. Whatever's pure. Whatever's a good report. Think on these things. Proverbs 23.7, whatever a man thinks, so is he. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I have to go through that. And, and today, I don't know what it is about New York City. I probably did it five different times during the service. Something's wrong with your city. So I'm just letting you know right now. Over and over again. Because, and some of you are going like, why do you do this? Listen to these words. The reason why I do this, A.W. Tozer said it best. Listen to this. He said, 10,000 thoughts a day pass through our minds. And they're all trying to predict what we're going to become. Let me say that one more time. 10,000 thoughts pass through our mind every day. And every one of them is trying to find a way to predict what you're going to become. And and it's, and that's why I have to fight those thoughts every single time that you would think when you come into a church, how many know that you're not always protected, but those thoughts can hit your mind while you're in church while you're lifting your hands and somebody's moving into your airspace and you're thinking to yourself, hey, we, we at Times Square Church, we have a rule here. You lift like this, you never lift like this. Listen, I know what you're, I see it on your face. First, it's just like, I love you. They must be a visitor. Let me tell you, let me tell you an amazing story and let me tell you a crazy story. Both connected. This is, um, Many of you know that Cindy and I pastored in Detroit, um, Michigan, for three decades. We've worked on the streets, worked in some of the hardest areas of Detroit. And some people don't know this about Detroit. They know it as the auto capital, as the, as the birthplace of Motown. But one of the things that people don't realize about Detroit, it is the second largest Arabic concentration in the world, second to the Middle East. There are areas of Detroit that everything's in Arabic. There's areas of Detroit that were close to us that they would send out the call for prayer to the, from the mosque every single day. Just all around us. We would, we would hear it all the time. Many people forget that about Detroit. So when we would begin to see conversions, those going from Islam over to Christianity, it was a big deal. And I'll never forget the story of a, of a woman named Mainaz who got saved, and I had the privilege of baptizing her, who was having, as a teenager, visions and dreams of Jesus while she was in Iran. And and I'm telling you folks, listen to me close, that is happening all over the Middle East. That God is going, you can try to keep me out But you can't keep me out the way you think that you're going to keep me out by making Christianity illegal. God can appear in dreams. He can show up himself. God can do whatever he wants to do. That's why, think about this, that the number one country in the world with the most Christians, Christianity is illegal, which is in China. It's not the U.S., it's China. And God goes, watch me do what I do. I'll show up and save an entire nation. That's what God does. So Minaz had a dream... And it just kept coming. She said, I kept seeing the resurrected Jesus. Well, she didn't know what to do with that. Came to the United States with family. Went to the uni- a university in, in the Detroit area. And while she was there, knowing that these dreams were true the resurrected Jesus, didn't know what her next step was. While she was at university, in, in a break in class, she saw one of our choir members reading a Bible so she goes, let me ask them, started to talk to them about what my next step is. She told her about the dreams and Jesus appearing to her, that he is the resurrected Christ, died for her sins. She goes, I know he's real. I know he's resurrected. Tell me what to do next. He's been telling me and appearing to me. So she sent, the choir member sent her to me. And so I'm thinking, so when Minas taught me this, I said, listen if Jesus is witnessing to you, let him finish the job. Because I don't really want to mess this up. I said, the last thing I could do is like lose this one. I'm going like, here he is. They're fishing for men. And I could just see Jesus going, you lost him. I just, I've worked this hard since she was a teenager. So I just said, just do whatever Jesus says. And I remember that woman becoming such an amazing witness. And I remember baptizing her and we let her speak and give her testimony. She says, I am ready to go back to my country. Even if it means dying, I am and the love, which it was amazing, but in the midst of this, family members came and talked to me about her conversion. This is where the story now turns crazy. So when I was talking to the family members, it the meetings became very spirited. They were intense at times. There are moments that for her to convert over to Christianity was a very big deal, and even such a big deal that when we were meeting together, it was. It was at times, um, it was becoming hostile and even volatile at some times. And after four different meetings, I just thought, man, God, just protect, protect mine eyes. And then one of those 10,000 thoughts found its way into my mind and said, they're going to kill you. And so all of a sudden, since you talked to her wife, you baptized her, now they're going to kill you. And I all of a sudden took a miracle and thought. What in the world is going to, why, what, why is this happening to me? Why, listen, Jesus, you led her to you, not me. It wasn't even my fault. This is Jesus. And I'll never forget one of, after one of our hostile meetings, we had an early morning prayer meeting at the church, 6 a.m. in the morning. And I'll never forget while we're there, I watched a young man come in with a scarf over his head, couldn't even see his face, and knelt down. I'm going, this is it. This is it. This is the day. I'm going to go see Jesus. Today, this is it, and I said, at least it's in the church, and at least it's at a prayer meeting. So i the whole time. He knelt down and prayed. I'm going like he, they they've sent they've sent people to kill me, because and it wasn't even my fault. You shouldn't you shouldn't have appeared to her, and so I'm sitting there thinking to myself. I can't believe. So I'm I'm praying and they're not moving. And I'm going. Let's get this. Let's get it on. I mean, let's just let's just end this thing. I'm ready to. So I thought, and this is, this is this is so dumb. So I thought I, I can't wait anymore. I I couldn't. My my mind was going crazy. So I thought I'd provoke this situation a little bit. So what I did was while they were kneeling, I just I would come over to their section. And I would pray a little bit louder. I just go, Jesus, thank you that you are Lord. And so I would just walk away. Nothing. Wouldn't even move. I'm going, this is a tough one. So I'd go and I would just, at times I'm going, thank you that your word is greater than the Quran. And I just would go, I was doing that. This is me at the prayer meeting. This is me at the prayer meeting. Then I went and I just go, name above every name, every name, nothing. Then when we called everybody together to pray, at the end, I go, okay, it's going to happen in the group. So here it is, the group. And also when the scarf came off, it was one of our college students. And he just goes, I go, what? He goes, Pastor, I was just, my head was cold. I was just, it was cold outside. I'm going, he goes, why were you yelling? at me during the prayer meeting. He says, I just don't even, I said, don't even worry about it. Jesus is Lord. I just wanted to make sure you understood on who Jesus was. And it's going like, where does that come from? How do you see something amazing happen? And it was nothing against him. I'm, 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 I'm just wanting God to do some great things. And I'm going, where does that thought come? How did it go from a thought in my mind to doing stupid things like that? Where does that happen? And then I realized, I'm in good company. David, thank you for this story. Because David faced the same thing. And really like many of us who are afraid to come clean with the thoughts that are going on. And, the, and I started to realize that the challenge every single day is when, those, when it wants to go from head to foot. And begin to play out the very thing that's going on inside of our mind. And this is what happened to David and I want to take you to a story. David, in 1 Samuel chapter 27, David is literally, church, he's at the end. He's at the finish line. He is about to put the crown and, and on, on his head and, and fulfill the prophecy that he is going to be the next king of Israel and succeed Saul. He is literally a few chapters away from, from fulfilling Samuel's anointing that happened all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's been happening for over a decade that David has been on the run and Saul has been coming against him. And David, literally after being anointed by Samuel, killing a giant, has dodged a number of spear throwings by his boss, Saul. And in 1 Samuel 27, he is so close to rounding the corner of fulfillment and he's right there and one of those 10,000 thoughts gets stuck in his mind. Something goes wrong. Something gets in his head that could have messed up this entire plan. Now, David leaves a miracle. Let me just, let me frame it. David leaves a miracle, his kind of Minos moment, like we had. His, his miracle of 1 Samuel chapter 26. Briefly, 1 Samuel 26 is, David is surrounded by thousands of soldiers of Saul all waiting to kill David. And God miraculously puts them all to sleep. David and a couple of his men walk right into the center of the camp, take Saul's spear, his water jug, and begins to walk away with this supernatural sleep over everybody in the camp. And God begins to show Saul and even all the men that this is going to be the next king. Literally, God performs a miracle. And you would think after a miracle like that, you're going like, all right, God, your hand is on me. I know what the next step is. But always remember, 10,000 thoughts are always trying to predict your future. That's why I sat in that seat next to Pastor Patrick and Pastor Peter. And while we're singing, I won't go back, I'm going 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 5, Philippians chapter 4, 8, Proverbs 23, 7, Colossians 3, 2, because I know one of those thoughts want to find its way, and it did the very thing For David, in 1 Samuel 27, think about this. He just sees the hand of God in chapter 26, and then chapter 27, something happens. Listen to it. Verse 1, but David thought to himself, here's the thought, here's the 10,000 thought that got through. One of these days, I'm going to be destroyed by the hand of Saul. How do you end up with that? God just delivered you. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel and I'll slip out of his hand. But Dave, So David and 600 men with him left and crossed over to Achish, who's the king of Gath. And verse 7 says, and the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Do you see what just happened? This is after a miracle deliverance from Saul's hand that instead of praising God, David doesn't know if he's going to begin to see tomorrow. Something gets into David's mind. Some rogue thought gets deep into his mind and and is now starting to move him in the wrong direction. The mind battles seem to become stronger than the miracles that just happened in his life. The mind battles seem to start beginning to go from head to foot and getting David to start to move into a direction that he should never have gone. And that's why it says in verse 1, look at this. David thought to himself. That's the mind battle. And always remember this. It's not that mind battles won't come for us as Christians. There will always be battles of the mind. But the battle is stopping it from going from here to down here. That's always the fight that every one of us has. Because they're always going to come. We're always going to face those things. You, you lose when you act out what you're thinking. See, the head for David was verse 1. The feet, when he gets 600 men to go with him, that's verse 2 head, he thought to himself, I'm going to die. Verse two, let's just get 600 men and let's just go to the land of the Philistines. Let let, let me pause here for a second. Listen close Times square church, Galatians 5, 16, Paul addresses those mind battles. And he reminds us that you're going to face those battles, but you never have to walk those things out. He calls the mind battles, the desire of the flesh. Listen to these words. I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. What Paul was saying is that the desire, the mind battle never goes away. And and let me just say this, folks. People sometimes feel guilty because you thought something. It's not there for you to feel guilty. It's there for you to start the fight. That's what it's there. It's not you going, I must not be a Christian. The fight is casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. It's not, see, those thoughts want to take you in a direction. And listen to this, what Paul said, you don't have to carry out what's in the mind. How come? Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of your life, which means this, Paul was saying, get ready for this, just because you think it doesn't mean you have to do it. That's important for us to understand. Just because you thought it doesn't mean you have to go and do that very thing. Why? The Holy Spirit lives within us. It's not a song the choir sings, it's a reality that we can have power by the Holy Spirit. See, David's battle, the rogue thought, was telling him it's all over, it's done. Man, it's it's give it up. Think about this for a moment. Because here's David's issue. I want you to think about this for a second. As I was going through this, thinking of the 10,000 thoughts that are trying to predict my future, my wife's future, my family's future every single day, this is what I thought about as going 4K, going high def. Listen to this. David, when it says David thought to himself, and that conversation went on in his mind listen, Times Square Church, this is important. David keeps silent about something he should have confessed. Let me say that again. I want everybody to hear this. David keeps silent about something that should have, he should have came clean on. This is huge. And, and, and let me just pause here for a moment. I want everybody to look this way. I, I am not preaching this today for anybody to clap. I'm preaching this today to save your life. I'm serious. This is huge. For some of us today, and I'm going to explain to you why. Listen, people are afraid to tell others what's going on inside of them. And jot this down. You're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. Where are the secrets? They're all showing up up here. I was... Reading a book and it was talking about these five levels of communication that people go through. Let me just read, let me just read to you the five levels of communication. He says, he says it goes from superficiality over to the, the high death, that transparency. Let me just read them to you. He says, level one is clichés. You know what that is. That's what happens in the lobby. How you doing? Blessed, highly favored. You, you know what that's like. How are you? Hallelujah. Holla back. Okay, you know, we all know, we all know those things. And what did you, what is that? Nothing. It's just, it's just, you just go like, Hey, God bless you. Good to see you today. It's nothing. When, when pastor Patrick or pastor David Ham goes, Hey, greet your neighbor. Let's just be honest. You weren't going very deep into that relationship. And you go, Hey brother, that means I forgot your name. And so when you sit there and you go, it's cliches. That's all it is. He said the second level, he calls it facts and reports. You know what I call that? That's Yankee talk. That's all it is. Glad they signed Severino. I'm glad that, man, what's going to happen this year? What's going to go on? It's just facts. It's just facts. It's just talk. It's just, what's the weather going to be? It's, it's, it's just truth, true things. It's newsworthy. He says the third level is called opinions and judgments. Most people never get here. This is when you get off the fence of neutrality. And then all of a sudden, you, you have the risk of being disagreed with. Listen close. It's, it's. Trump or Pelosi. It's wall or immigration. It's, it's, it's now an abortion law that's been signed by your state. Many people are afraid to go there. That's when all of a sudden you get off and now you know where you're at. Most people won't even do that. be very quiet. This is where you decide, do I say CNN or do I say Fox news? That's what happens. People are afraid to say that. We live in a time that they're afraid to say that. He says there's a fourth level, and he calls it, he calls it feelings. And he says, this is rarely traveled. It goes like this. I feel sad. That really makes me angry that you did that. Or you intimidate me. It was hurtful comment that you made to me. I like when you're around. I feel secure. This is when we unmask what's going on in our lives. And then he says the final, he calls it maximum truth. This is the deepest level. It's here, there's affirmation, rebuke, there's encouragement, there's confrontation, there's forgiveness, and there's con- con- confession. This is where all of a sudden, that David never got to. You can talk cliches, you can talk facts, you can even traverse and go over to, to opinions and judgments, but none of that even sets people free. And Times Square Church, I want you to listen really close today. I want you to listen really close. When you confess your sins to God, here is the greatest thing to know. You will be forgiven. Okay, now listen. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How amazing is that? That when we confess our sins to God... We get forgiveness. How many know that's good news today? Okay, now bear with me. Because now I'm about to make you feel really uncomfortable. Here we go. If you want forgiveness, confess to God. If you want healing, you talk to the godly. What? You ready for this? James 5.16. Here's what it says. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another... And pray for one another so that you may be healed. So some of you are going, I've been forgiven, but I can't get set free. It's because you're trying to pretend to be something that you can't be and you can't do. And you need the body of Christ. And when you simply go, all I need is Jesus. Then you're taking out half of the equation. Why are you mad? I don't even know. Because I want you to be healed today. See, we don't get healing. See, God set it up this way, that the church doesn't work when all the seats are facing this way and you listen to one man. We have been given the body of Christ and each other to walk this journey out together. I want people to be saved, but I want them to be set free. I want people to be forgiven, but I want them to be healed. That's why this is so important when you listen to me. healing doesn't even come from the church. Healing comes when you are honest with the church. You don't just walk in here and go like, "I feel good." No, no, no. It comes when you talk to the right person. And always make sure you understand. If we confess our sins, listen to what he says here. Confess your sins one to another, so that you may be what?" Now listen to what it says. And then it says, "The effectual, fervent prayers." of a righteous man. What does it do? What he just did. That's not a prayer meeting verse. That's a walking with believer verse. Because what most of us do is we always quote James five sixteen 16, be and never connect it together. He says, what you have to do is the person you talk to, you better make sure that they're walking with God and they know how to get a hold of God. Because, listen, if you're going through something, the last person you want to call up is your boo. Boo, this is what I'm going through. This is... A- I don't need you, yeah, I feel you. I don't need you to feel me. I need to know, can you get a hold of God for me and get me set free? And the problem is, is we go right to someone who knows us. I don't need someone who knows me. I need somebody who knows God. That's where the healing comes. And what the problem is, is that we're forgiven, but we haven't been set free. Now, pause for a moment here. Listen to me close. That's why... The TSC small groups is huge. It's huge. When, this, this is what we're providing for you here. When you go to the website... And click on TSC small groups or go to the high school or college to the connect groups. What we're doing is we're providing you a venue to walk out life with people that are walking in the same direction. Maybe, hey, listen, I looked it up. It's so easy to do. There's some people that are, there's some people that are doing CrossFit. There's some people that are running. There's some people that are doing math. There's people doing English. I'm looking like for the eating group. And so I'm going like, man, I'll eat and do life in Jesus. But here's what's crazy is, is what we're trying to do here is not get everybody facing the same way, but to get you in relationships. Instead of you always thinking to yourself, you get to walk with people that can walk you through healing. And the issue is some of you think I just come on Sunday. I just come on Sunday. And I'm telling you, you're taking half of the equation out. When you don't connect to small groups. Because this is what you want to do. When I get to the end of the service. Listen to me close. What you want to do is this. You want me to go. How many here are having mind battles? Come on down. Listen. That's everybody in the place. And if you don't come down you're lying. Everybody. And then I'm going to be able to go. Hello. When I preach this message. It was going out the door at the altar call. That's what you want me to do. I'm not doing that. That's what you want me to do. Because what I'm trying to do. Is I'm trying to get you connected. To where the healing comes from. Because what you don't want to do is go to the website to get involved with people's lives because you got to go high def with who you are. You can't be part of people's lives and still pretend because it really takes a lot of energy to do that. It's getting connected. And this is the challenge for us. Folks, I love you. I've been here for so many years. It's the challenge. And that's why I'm so appreciative what Treg is doing, what Pastor Patrick is doing. But the goal is not to get you to a counseling office. The goal is to get you walk this thing out with believers in your life. If David just could have talked to somebody. If David would have just said, hey, I know God just did a miracle, but I feel like I'm going to die. Why, why, why couldn't you say that? Because you're David. you got to lead the choir. You just wrote Psalms. How in the world can you think those thoughts? You have no idea what goes on up here. But I'm just going to tell you this. God does. And here's the deal. He says, even though it goes on up here, it doesn't have to go down there. And I've got people that I can talk to and say, hey, pray for me. This is getting crazy. But some of you, what happens is because you're not up close, then the danger of hypocrisy comes. The danger of trying to pretend, and it just doesn't work that way. Here's the thing. The magnitude of David trying to pretend on this is so important here. Listen, verse two says, David crossed over. Listen to this, but not just David, folks. It says 600 men and their families crossed over with David to, you ready for this? He goes to the Philistine, not just, well, I'll get to this in a second, but here's what's crazy. When you have nobody to stand with you, then you're going to bring a whole bunch of people in your circle into your battle. When you, when you don't begin to go, to go high def, when you don't go 4k, when you don't go, Hey, this is what's going on. Then we either confess to a godly person or we bring a whole bunch of wife, children, family into the battle that we're about to enter in. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves all the way down the road. And what's the crazy region for David? It's Gath. Gath. Let me explain Gath to you. What was the name of the giant that David killed with a stone? Goliath. But it's interesting, he's not introduced as Goliath, he's called Goliath of Gath. Do you know where David was going? He's going to the hometown of the giant. He cut the head off. That's crazy. He was about to go, we can't do this. Let's just go to the Philistine country. The Philistines and stayed there a year and a half. David somehow thought, I'm going to take 600 families with me, bring them over because of one thought that went from head to foot, bring them over. And all of a sudden, all these folks come along with them. Listen to me close to not confess. is selfish. You're more concerned what people think about you than the lives who are going to go in the wake of your consequences. Do you understand how important this is? When those 10,000 thoughts and one gets through, I don't want to bring people on this journey with me that don't need to go there. The missing element in healthy marriages even and healthy relationships is confession. I don't want to be, let me just tell you this, listen to me close. I don't want to be a good apologizer. I want to be a good confessor. I don't want to apologize after I mess up. I want to begin to confess it when it's up here before it gets down here. I want to go, God, put people in my life that will walk, me, walk with me on these things. See, when you confess, you're taking the legs out from, under, from something growing bigger and secret. When you confess, you're shedding light on lies that incubate in darkness. When you confess, you're building trust from vulnerability and not portraying to be invincible. Listen. You still with me? Okay. Hi, Def. Here it is. So 20 years, I've been married 22 years. And 20 years ago, I was flying to one of the great preachers and friends of this ministry, Pastor Claude Oud in Montreal. Took a late flight out, showing up in Montreal. I was going to preach for three services the next day. Married two years now. And showed up around, oh, it had to be about 10.30 at night. Landed at Duval Airport. And got there. Got to my room. Started unpacking. And when you go to Montreal, everything is in French. Everything. So I couldn't understand anything. So I turned the TV on. And, and it happened to be the Ten Commandments in French. And so I was watching. I was watching Pharaoh going, Jean-Ton. And then je Some of you didn't know I spoke French. But that's, the extent, that's all I know. And... So I was going. This is awesome. This is Charlton Heston, and just it was it was fantastic. I'm unpacking the stuff. Listen to me close. And that night, that night, as I'm unpacking, God, God, honest truth. As I'm unpacking, when the TV, when the show was over, all of a sudden it clicks over. Didn't do a thing to pornography right there in the hotel room. And all of a sudden I'm going, Oh my goodness. And my first reaction, 10,000 thoughts, wasn't to click it off so fast. I couldn't tell you if it was 30 seconds. I couldn't tell you if it was 45 seconds. But I remember clicking that thing off in in about 45, whatever it was. I dropped to my knees because I knew the enemy was trying to find something. I knew it. And I felt this thing starting to choke me. I fell on my knees. I go, God, forgive me. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, you call your wife right now. I got on the phone, because some of you are going like, you're out of your mind. That's why I'm free today. So while you're covering things up, it never got a hold. I called Cindy up. I said, babe, I said, I wanted you to know exactly what happened. This is what took place. This is what happened in in the hotel room. She said this. She goes, Tim, let's pray right now. This is the enemy. We're going to pray that God. And let me tell you the second thing I did. When I showed up at that church, I told Pastor Claude. I said, I will pay for my plane ticket. You don't even have to let me preach. This is exactly what happened. You're my friend, but I'm not letting this. What's more important for me is not preaching to your 3,000 people. What's important to me is that this thing is not gonna get a hold of my life because when you confess, you knock the legs out of the thing that wants to take over your life. And some of you are listening. Some of you are listening today and literally that thing has found a stranglehold and it's found its way from head to foot. Listen close, folks, because this is not something that I just kind of thought up and read in some book or just going, this is a good sermon. This is real to me. Because I'm not taking Cindy and I'm not taking Christian and Aloran and Grace on a journey to Gath because of some crazy thought that goes on in my mind. I've got a responsibility to Jesus. I've got a responsibility to Cindy. And I've got a responsibility to Christian and Aloran and Grace that when those thoughts come, I've got to find someone to talk to and say, walk me through this. I know I'm forgiven, but I want healing. And the last thing I want to do is wake up in Gath and go, we've been here a year and a half because I can't not seem to get free because being, pretending to be something that I was not is just not worth it. And you can look at me and go, I can't believe it. 20 years ago, he saw something on TV. He did. I could care less. I could care. And literally I sat there with this story in my notes going, I better not share that because they don't know this about me. I don't care about any of it. I'm, I'm gonna walk in forgiveness and I'm gonna walk in healing today. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Get this down. Listen, listen. When you confess a mind battle, you're incorporating help. You're getting help instead of con- most people, before it gets to Pastor Patrick's office, before it gets to Pastor David's office, before it gets to leadership's office, we're already in GAF. Can you imagine what would happen if we would have talked about it when it was in its infancy stage? I'm having these crazy thoughts. I'm, man, I, I feel like I'm, I've crossed the line in flirting with a coworker. I feel like, man, I've been going over to Atlantic City. I've been feeling like I've been doing all... Listen, can you imagine if you catch it before it gets to the feet? And David literally wastes a year and a half in territory he never should have gone. There is no healing in hiding. There is no healing in hiding. There is no healing in hiding. Well, if I confess to my my spouse, Pastor Tim, if I tell her this, she's gonna leave me. If I tell her this, she's gonna hate me. If I confess, she won't respect me. If I expose what really happened, my marriage is through. Listen to me close. How can something that God ordained be destructive to your relationship? How can that be destructive? I'm just telling you what I've learned is this. When I began to live that kind of lifestyle, this is what I've learned. Listen, that small confessions builds muscles for your marriage. Then your spouse fights for you and not against you. That's what I want. When I see somebody with a giant confession, I'm going, it's because they haven't done the little confessions. When someone has to go, this is where I'm at. When when it's a gaff confession, it's because they didn't deal with it when it was in the mind. And some of you are looking at me going like, oh, this is the worst message I have ever heard in my life because it's about to get real. It's going public because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It produces a humility so you that you can't win in life by yourself. I need the help of the body of Christ. It cultivates trust in our relationships. I'm just... I just, I just want to walk in healing in my life. I just want, and I feel that my goodness, Cindy and I and my relationship with God, we're walking in such health. I'm going, I don't want to mess this up. That's why I don't believe, you know, when people post stuff on social media, all the hyperbole, like we're out, we're eating, look at us, eat the spaghetti tea. I don't believe any of that. I'm just telling you, I don't believe any of that when people are going, like, we're here, I'm celebrating 25 years, this is my man I remember the day, I, you know what I want I'm, I'm just waiting for the honest post this is me apologizing to my wife for being wrong, take a selfie of that <laughs> take a selfie of apologizing take that one I don't need to see you at an Italian restaurant we're drinking We're drinking our lattes together, put the lattes down, take a picture of you taking money out of the ATM machine and that you shouldn't be taking out take a picture of that and post that one <laughs> do that. I don't believe hyperbole anymore. I don't. Because it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. We are all fellow strugglers. Welcome to the hospital called Times Square Church. That's what we are. It's a hospital. Let me close with this. Greg, come. Listen, you know what the proper response is? This is important. You know what the proper response is when someone goes high def with you? Here it is. Let me give you three quick things. Write these down. Number one, it's this. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest. That's what you say. Spouses, friends, thank you for being vulnerable and honest. Number two, how can I help you win? What can I do to bring healing? How can I help you heal? And number three, let's pray together. That's how you win. Number one, thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest. Thank you for Thank you. Number two, how can I help you? How can I be part of the healing that comes? Number three, let's pray right now. Let's pray that God's going to do something special. Let's walk together in prayer on this. Let's believe that God's going to do this. Let, let me, let me finish with this last crazy thought. Um, some of you go like, we cannot take any more. Okay. Here's, here's the crazy thought. People think you have to get cleaned up to come to church. People, think, people actually think, I've got I've to stop this, then I'm going to get things right with God. I've got to quit doing these things. Nothing could be further from the truth. There are people trying harder so God will not see their life, what their life looks like in high def. Can I just give you a news alert? He sees it. He knows your thought. He knows your motives. He knows everything that's going on inside of us. News alert, and he still loves you. That's what's amazing about God. When you go, God, man, I've lied. God's not going, oh, I can't believe this. God's going, I've known this. You said you just lied. I've been calling you a liar for many, many years (laughs) to take care of this. but you just think it's one incident... And people will try to spend the rest of their life looking good to try to make God love you. And he already does. We try harder to be good. We get water baptized. We'll say, I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm religious. I, I, I have not hurt anybody. I mean, some of you are sitting here. You can just go, I was dedicated. I was confirmed. And all those things are great, but that's not what gets God to like you or love you. He already does. He doesn't like you because you were water baptized last week doesn't like you because you're in church. I'll ask people sometimes, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? I'm I'm a good person. I wish that was true. I've been water baptist. I'm a a Protestant. I'm a Catholic. Those are great things, but that's not what gets you to heaven. God already knows we're broken people and we need his help. Let me, okay, so let's, Let's, let's define it this way. Here it is. Let's, let's define our age one more time. How many remember the days going into a store or supermarket before there was these, these motion detectors, you had to step on that, 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 that rubber pad. Remember those? You had to step on a rubber pad for a supermarket. All these young people are going like, what is he talking about? (laughs) We used to take rubber pad to go in. And I remember when my son was born, he jumped on the rubber pad going into the supermarket and the door wouldn't open up four years old. How come it wouldn't open up? wasn't heavy enough. Today you just need a motion detector. You walk up there, target opens up and you walk in and you spend your money and just come out feeling guilty and confess to somebody what should just happen. <laughs> I remember watching my son jumping up and down on this rubber mat to try to get the doors open and it wouldn't open until I stepped on it myself and the doors begin to open. Look at me folks. Balcony, look at me. Annex, look at me. You can jump up and down all you want. Heaven doesn't open up for you. You can sit there and go, I've been baptized. I joined a small group. I go to TSC. You can do all that stuff, and the door doesn't open up. You can go, I'm Jewish. I'm Catholic. I'm proud. It doesn't open up. You've got to get somebody else on the mat who's heavier than you are. And there's only one person whose weight steps on that door, and heaven opens up, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one that gets you there. He's the only one that gets you there. Stand with me. All over this place, listen to me close. When you try to open up the doors of heaven, you're not heavy enough. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You might as well just go high def with God. He knows it all anyway. Well, I'm trying to be a good person. You're not good enough. I read my Bible a The doors don't open up for Bible readers. Well, if I can just get rid of this cigarette, the doors will open up. It still doesn't open up. You can stop cigarettes. You can stop drugs. You can stop, dr- you can stop all of it. You can stop cursing. The doors don't open up until Jesus steps on that mat with you and says, I'll get you in there. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Look at me. Jesus said this. Unless a man or woman is born again, he will never see the kingdom of heaven. John three, three impossible. You cannot see heaven unless you're born again. How does that happen? Pastor Tim, man, just like we would tell our kids, it's as simple as the ABCs, a B and C a you admit you're a sinner. What does that mean? Pastor Tim, something's broken on the inside. None of us were born a floor model. Every one of us were born broken. In all of our DNA, there is a, a condition called sin that you can't fix with a promise, you can't fix it with a program, you can't fix it with a priest, and you can't fix it with a pastor. Only God himself can fix that thing inside of us. You can go, I promise not to do it. I promise I'm going to be better. I promise I won't yell. I promise I won't beat my horn anymore in New York City. You can promise all those things. There's something inside of us, and the essence of it is selfishness. And if you don't believe that there is a DNA problem called sin inside of us, then you don't have children. This is how it goes. First words out of their mouth, mama. Second words, no. Third words, mine. That's it. What is that? That's sin. You didn't teach him that. You didn't teach your kids how to lie. This is how you lie. This is what you need to do. When I say, did you steal that cookie? You go, no, mama. It was, it was my sister. You didn't teach him that. What is that? That's called sin. It's ingrained in us. How do I get rid of it? That's the B part. B believe that Jesus came and died for you. If you could get yourself to heaven, then God sending his son to die on the cross is the worst case of child abuse in human history. Why would he have to go through that pain if he's telling you, just be better? It's impossible. He's got to stand on the mat for you and open up the door for heaven. It's you going, Jesus, I can't fix my sin issue, but you can, that's why you died on the cross. You died in my place, and I believe that God, you can fix me. Get this, from the inside out. And see, so you're, some of you are going like, that's it? That's it? Yeah, that's all the Bible says. And then it says, and see, confessing him as Lord. Which means now you're in charge. You're the boss of my life. See, everybody wants to get the C part first. got to stop this, stop this. None of that's true. I can show you a dozen verses that says, believe, 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 believe. Once you believe, trust me. He loves you enough just the way you are, but loves you so much he won't keep you in the condition that you're in. Because when he becomes Lord, I'm just telling you, he comes to clean house. He starts rearranging stuff. He goes, that's got to go. That person, they're out. All this stuff. you go like, wait, you just moved in. Jesus goes, I know how to decorate this thing called your heart. I know how to do this thing. But let him do it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment here. This is a moment to be born again. Because some of you, if I was to ask you, how do you get to heaven? Some of you go, I'm I'm a good person. I go to church. I'm religious. My mom was a Christian. All those things are great, but that's not how you get there. Jesus has to stand on the mat. You have to be born again. Listen, if you're listening to Home Fellowship Summit, New Jersey, listen to me close. Just as you've had a first birth date, Jesus says in John 3, you need a second birth date. That's called being born again born again. And it happens from the inside out. It is, it is, you beginning to go, God, come into my life. Step on this mat with me because my, my goodness, my promises can't get me to heaven, but you can. It's going high def with God saying, this is what you get. God goes perfect. Listen to me close with every head bowed and every eye closed. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Stop trying to be perfect. Forgiven people go to heaven. And if you're here today, Annex, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Home Fellowship Group, if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want to start this journey. But before you get to healing, let's get you forgiven. And you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want to be born again. I want those doors to heaven open up today. Man, you blindsided me today. That's good. I'm here to get you to think about forever, not simply tomorrow, but forever. And you can know today that if you were to die, that I'm going to go live with God forever. Life's not over. Life just begins. And if you're here, balcony, main floor, annex, and you go, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, when you pray that prayer that, that asks for a second birth, a born again experience in my soul, you're going to pray that prayer. When you pray that, man, I want to be part of that prayer. I want in, I want in, I've been trying to jump up and down on the mat and nothing has happened, but today it changes. And if that's you and you're going, I understand it now. I can't do this by myself. I don't have enough. I'm not weighty enough, but God is. And if that's you, annex, balcony, main floor, and go, and you pray that born again prayer. I'm one in today is my second birthday. Today is my born again day. If that's you without any hesitation, hold your hand up high quickly, hold it up as high as you can go. This is my birthday. Hold it up high balcony, annex, keep them up high. Okay, listen. All those heads, this is what matters to me right now. If your hands are up, we've got amazing people here at Times Square Church. I want you to get out of those seats and come right down here. I want to pray with you. Quickly, just get out. Balcony, I'll wait for you. Get out and come down here right now because I want to pray. This is going to be your birthday today. Second birthday today. This is the date that God's going to do it. Quickly, you come. I'll wait for you. Come on. Let me just tell you something. Folks, this is why we show up here today. Now, for you that goes, oh, i got mind battles, join a small group. Okay, now here... Because you want to come to the altar, I'm telling you, you've got to connect it with people. That's called the body of Christ. Don't look up here and go like, we should have came to the altar because we're all dealing with No, 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 no. These are the ones we want to see. The doors open today and you get to go to heaven. No more jumping up and down on the mat by yourself going, why can't I go? Today it stops. And Jesus steps on with you. Doors open up. So we're going to pray. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're all going to pray together. You're not alone in this. You just got a whole new family today. That's what's exciting. So come on. I want you to close your eyes. I want us all to pray this together. Come on, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, Come on, amen!